Hey, I'm Elizabeth Willits and I'm obsessed with helping as many women as possible achieve their boldest dreams after kids and helping you to navigate this messy and magical season of life. I'm a working mum with over 17 years of recruitment experience and I'm the founder of the Investing in Women job board and community. In this show, I'm honoured to be chatting with remarkable women redefining our working world across all areas of business. They'll share their secrets on how they've achieved extraordinary success after children, set boundaries and balance, the challenges they've faced and how they've overcome them to define their own versions of success. Shy away from the real talk? No way! Money, struggles, growth, loss, boundaries and balance, we cover it all. Think of this as coffee with your mates and mixed with an inspiring TED Talk sprinkled with the career advice you wish you'd really had at school. So, grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, make sure you're cosy and get ready to get inspired and chase your boldest dreams or just survive Mondays. This is the Work It Like a Mum podcast. This episode is brought to you by Investing in Women. Investing in Women is a job board and recruitment agency helping you find your dream part-time or flexible job with the UK's most family-friendly and forward-thinking employers. Their site can help you find a professional and rewarding job that works for you. They're proud to partner with the UK's most family-friendly employers across a range of professional industries. Ready to find your perfect job? Search their website at investinginwomen.co.uk to find your next part-time or flexible job opportunity. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Work It Like a Mum podcast. Today I'm chatting to one of my favourite people. I absolutely love her and I hope you do too. She's got a brilliant personality. Samantha Labanzo. She is fellow IVF mum like me. She's got six children now. She juggles thriving business, which has various different strands, as well as some freelancing work as well. So she is a busy, busy lady. And I'm sure we're going to learn lots from Samantha about how to to juggle family and work and growing a business. So we're going to be chatting to her today. And she's also super passionate about diversity and inclusion as well. So definitely be going to be talking about that too. So thank you so much, Samantha, for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you because like I said, I absolutely adore chatting with you. So this is like a brilliant half an hour now that we're just going to have a great chat. So there's so much synergies between us, isn't there? From IVF to, it's just, you know, obviously the diversity inclusion side of things and women equality and all that great chat. Yeah, every time we speak, it's just always the same. Like we've just got so much to talk about. So yeah, it's, it is great to be listening, and I can't wait to to see where this goes this time. I'm so excited. Yeah, so I'm really interested. You are obviously working for a huge bank. We won't mention which one, but you worked for. Um, I'm sure people if they want to go on your LinkedIn, they'll say you work for a big bank, and now you work for yourself. So talk me through and listen through what that transition looked like and why you made that transition. You know, it's a really interesting story. And I'm actually going to go a bit spiritual here now because before, so I w- I had given birth to two children at that particular point. And I just got this real feeling like it's time for me to leave. And I knew that for me, I'm a Christian. It was like God telling me saying, you need to go now. And it was really strange because I kind of got to the pivotal, like 
I spent so much of my time building my career to get to this particular point, the pivotal of where I wanted to be, global HR business partner in a top company. And I was actually here, had children, had everything I'd actually prayed for, wished for, desired. I literally was living the dream. And then get a message, time to go, time to move on. You're like, what? 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 And so I, how long did you feel like you were getting that message for then before you acted on it? So I just felt it straight away. It was interesting. It was a conversation I was having. One of my peers was saying we're going on not maternity. She was going on a not a career break. What's the other one? It was a career break, but she, yeah, she was um she was getting married and she was like, I'm gonna be traveling around the world. She was having she had amazing like trips. Thailand and Malaysia and all these different places she's traveling after getting married and she's like I'll see you when I get back and that's when the message came and I was like you won't see me when you get back and she was like oh you've we've known each other for years you're going you're doing your thing again and I was like what do you mean my thing she calls it my thing where suddenly I get a message and I was like no I'm I believe I'm, I'm meant to leave so by the time you come back I would have gone. And what's interesting, she only had a six month practical career break, whatever you call it. And so for me, I was like, oh my days, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be here anymore. And she's like, oh my goodness, I've just got that message just now. I said, yes. it was like an epiphany. It was, it was like, I'm going to go, this is it. And I was like, oh my days, this is our last day. Cause it was like her last, like we were all saying goodbye. And it was like, this is our last day. It's our last day as peers. Obviously, we're friends outside of work. So it was like, I can't believe it. And But I knew it wasn't, I wasn't going to resign. I just knew I wasn't going to resign. There was going to be a time where I knew it was time. She went off. And then three months later, I got told about an opportunity for voluntary redundancy. And voluntary redundancy never, very rarely happens in HR in this company. It happens every 10 years, if that. Yeah. And when it came up, I'd been there for, oh, by that time, about 17 years. I was like, this is it. (laughs) And you got a little payout. Well, maybe quite a good payout. You got a payout. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this is, this is, I'm glad that I didn't just resign and just go right and post a leave and resign because I would have lost the opportunity to take the redundancy. So I was like, this is, this is my opportunity. So I went and submitted my voluntary redundancy. And it was quite funny because they then embargoed Manchester to say everyone else can go, but people in Manchester. And like, it's only me in Manchester. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm the only person that's like, you're trying to block. Everyone else can go, but me. There was like two of us actually, but it, the majority of people were in London. So it was kind of very w- strange that they would want to embargo one hub of a place that wasn't really strategic, you know. So I was just like, I really want to go because it's time for me to go. I've served my time. If it was a service, like, you get less for jail. So yeah, you do, yeah. <laughs> like you get less from, you know, let murder, let me go. So I had to kind of negotiate and they were like, right, if this is really what you want to do, we're going to support it. So, and that's basically what happened. And then just as I put it through and then we're going through the, the, the consultation period, I found out I was pregnant, not just pregnant, but pregnant with twins. And I was like, this cannot be the message to leave. Why would I leave? Like, this doesn't make sense. I'm in my dream career. I mean, like, even though there was there was challenges in my company that I was facing separately, flexible working one being one of them, I loved the job I was doing. And I had two children. I had flexibility. You know, I had what I wanted, basically. It didn't really make sense, the decision. And then to find out I was pregnant with twins, and they came back to me and goes, you know you can stay. <laughs> Yeah, because you'd have got maternity pay, I guess. Yeah, you know you can stay. 
And I was just like, no, I'm meant to go. I'm meant to go. I know. I feel it so intensely. I didn't know why I was like, what I was going to do, what I was going to, I just knew it was time. Yeah. yeah. I took the leap of faith, not really knowing where I was going, what I was going to do. And I was just like, right, I'm going to do it. And interestingly, I did negotiate my maternity pay as well because... I'm HR and I know how to negotiate and I'm legally trained. So I remember saying to them, yes, so I will take my redundancy and I'll take my maternity. And they were like, what? What do you mean? You were leaving. We're not going to give you maternity pay. And I was like, no, you actually owe me because of the time that I'm leaving with the guardian leave. It actually, you know, I had to tell them basically how I qualified for maternity because they were like, really? Do you really? I said, they were like, we're going to check legal. I'm like, I am legal. I am your HR legal, but you can do that if you want to. It's always good to have a backup. And they came back and goes, oh, of course, you're right. That's what we paid you for, Sam. That's why we, we need you. That's why we need you to stay. <laughs> Things like, you know stuff. Like, I was like, so like, so basically we're like, literally you're leaving with, you not only your redundancy but like a year's maternity pay as well and I was like this is like perfect um I could take not only could I take time off but I could take it off comfortable I could take off the time with my kids the four kids and and yeah it was just really good do you think having that faith helps you you know at times when you are going through change because you feel the feeling you're being guided and Hello to all our listeners. This is Elizabeth Willits, your host of the Work It Like a Mum podcast and founder of the Investing in Women job board and recruitment site. And I'm here today to tell you all about our transformative career coaching services. Whether you're returning to work, climbing the corporate ladder or seeking a complete career change, our coaching is designed for anyone aspiring to make a significant impact in their professional life. We offer personalised guidance on crafting standout CVs that tell your unique story, effective strategies for nailing your next job interview, and expert tips on optimising your LinkedIn profile to attract the right opportunities. And here's the best part. As a valued listener, you'll get an exclusive 10% discount. Just use the code WORKITLIKEAMUM when you book your session. Visit us at investinginwomen.co.uk forward slash career coaching services to start your journey towards career success. Let's work together to achieve your professional dreams with the Investing in Women Career Coaching Services. I faith for me is like is my pivotal like it is the thing that it keeps me grounded in everything that I do I do not make a decision without yeah faith definitely it keeps me grounded I literally do not make a decision without consulting God like that's part of being a Christian for me and I don't know if I've ever told you this but I actually what you call a prophet so really? when I say, oh my god I love our conversation I know it's a random one but when I say prophet I mean is and I have a, a gift of opera of the prophetic so basically I get messages quite clearly so what people outside would say psychic I wouldn't call that psychic because it doesn't apply to everyone so I can basically tap into people and find out you know I can do all that so for me, when there's a message directly for me, it's quite powerful and profound, but I can hear, I can't ignore it. You ever heard the story of Jonah and the whale where you can't run away from it? It's just there. So if, if I don't listen to it, it will continue just to be there. I have to make a decision. And 
and I won't be comfortable if unless it's the right one I feel uncomfortable so it means like shapes my life it tells me where I'm going what I'm doing wrong and what I can do about it it's not for everything and it's not for everyone it's a bit woo woo here for you but no, that's no, my no, I like it I'm just wondering if that I like it because I suppose I get a lot of doubts in yourself you think oh am I doing the right thing is this good am I done the wrong you know and I think a lot of people get that you know question themselves do you ever question yourself all the time I question myself all the time then I have to tap into the source which is God for me to get the answer and sometimes the answer is not the answer I personally want it doesn't mean that I get the answer I want either it doesn't always mean that it's the answer I'm comfortable with sometimes the answer is you need to wait and we are not patient people sometimes I'm like wait how long like can you give me an exact timeline on that wait <laughs> I don't always get the exact timeline either so it's not always I just know it's going to be sometime in the future or sometime by the end of the year or you know it's not always exact science so for me it is it's still have to go through stuff the difference I found is I always say it's a blessing and it's also kind of it is a blessing but it also comes with its cons as well one is that when you make a decision you just go with it and you feel fine about whatever decision you made if I make a decision that does the will of God, what God has told me to do. I cannot feel fine about it. It doesn't, I can't sleep. I, it's just impossible. You don't feel a sense of peace because I can hear directly. There's no doubt in that sense that I've heard. It's just a decision I've still got to make. I have free will. I choose. I got some really funny stories of where I've decided not to go like to do the opposite as I was growing. I realized that I just listened to God now where I've decided that I remember negotiating with God about I'm telling you this is it sounds bonkers but it's so true I remember when I was going to I lived in London and I remember that you need not to to stay in London for too long and I was like well I want to be there for a year and I remember hearing that you're going to only be there for six months and I was like no I want to be there for a year I was quite young and I was wanting to make an impression at least a year or longer and um, Pam and I remember feeling this really big sense that I could only be there for a certain period of time. And what happened was I was sitting back going, negotiating with God. And I'm not joking. This is how it goes. I'm like, oh, please let me stay for longer. Like you do with a, your dad. Because <laughs> that's my father, God. And like, no, no, no. And I'm like, please let me. And then eventually I heard this piece. And, okay. And I was like, oh, that was easy. Okay. And I was like, cool, cool. I'm going to stay longer. Why? What happened? What happened after six months? What happened exactly at six months? There was absolute chaos in my family. There was um, I had family members that had passed away. There was there was things that needed to happen, that, and I needed to be back home. Basically, it was just like I needed to be back in Manchester. I needed to be here where I could support my family. <laughs> And I remember going to, my job was flexible. I could be based anywhere. And I remember going to my boss and going, you know what? I'm going to go back to Manchester. I, I was planning to be here for a long time, but it looks like I'm going to have to go back. And they reject my application to go back, even though my role could be based anywhere. They're like, nope, you're going to be in London. And I was like, but my job is flexible. And any time I tried to make, a, to try move, it wasn't happening. And as it just got really, really difficult. And I just remembered that thing came flashing back. Remember, you wanted to stay longer. Here's your longer. And I was like, no, let me go. Oh, my God, that's creepy. <laughs> go back. I need to go back. And no matter what I did, I couldn't. Like, it was just impossible. Like, I literally had to stay there. And I, I actually had to apply for another job. 
in the end was like, well, you know what? I've done this amount of time. I can just apply for another job. And I remember applying for another job, getting that other job. Then there was a big period of, you know, before you have to wait for the your references and all the rest of it. And everything, it was taking forever. There was another, there was another block and a delay. And I was like, you kidding me? And guess what? The exact moment when I was supposed to go to start this other job, probably about a few weeks before, they, my boss turned around and goes, it sounds like it's so difficult and what you're doing so much. We, You're so good at what you do. Why don't you just go back in Manchester? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Did you just say that? After all of this, you told me no. Now you're saying I can just stay in my job and be in Manchester, which is what I was trying to say in the first place. <laughs> I was so frustrated. So in the end, I ended up going staying in my job and basically doing it for Manchester. But they could offer to get to that point and obviously be with my family who really needed me at that particular time. So for me, I've learned along the way that I have to listen and don't argue just go with the flow and sometimes it doesn't make sense sometimes you don't have the answer right now but there'll be an unfolding and a reason why things happen the way they do and sometimes because we're impatient we want things now or we want things to be in our time we don't know that there's something happening for us or to evolve us or those around bigger than us really yeah bigger than us to make things better for us and just to let you know that after that particular year my career just took off like literally it was like the best time in the sense that I continued to progress in in the career ladder I continued to do really really well I continue to excel there's a little stories in in between that but I did really well I got to my dream career is the main thing without going into the the nitty-gritty because I can if we've got a lot of time Um, I was gonna say because you've obviously got a coach haven't you? I know you're a coach and you have a coach and you invest a lot in your education. Does it ever feel contradictory, you know, what they're telling you to do, what God's telling you to t- do? And how do you deal with that? I know that you invest a lot in your education and development. You've got a coach. I know you coach people, but you also have a coach and, you know, I know you do a lot of courses, etc. Does it ever feel contradictory what your coach tells you to do um, versus what, you know, God's telling you to do? And how do you deal with that? I go with God. <laughs> Absolutely. So one of the coaches, so I don't have one coach. I have coaches for various different things. Depends on what I'm doing. So I have a business coach. I have a corporate coach, different things that I'm doing. I have a life ma- a mindset coach. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you know, you know, you remind me of someone else. I know that. Yeah, I just have coaches for, for, what are they expert in? Um, you know, LinkedIn, I used to have a LinkedIn coach, an Instagram coach, you know, for certain periods of my journey, I've had coach for various parts of what I needed at that particular moment. Yeah. Because I believe in coaches. I think that if you've got someone who's gifted and talented in a particular area, grab hold of them, take advantage of what they have to give you, to impart in you. And that's what a coach is there for, isn't it? So one of the coaches I remember really distinctively was Lisa Johnson. I'm sure she's one of the ones I did as a one-to-one. And her VIP is not cheap. And I remember praying and feeling like I need to have a coach in this in business. I wanted someone who knew the online space really well. And I'd seen Lisa Johnson. I wasn't like a fan. I didn't follow her, you know, particularly, but something kept telling me this is the person. So I decided just to kind of watch her online, see what kind, how her teaching was, what was the style. 
And I was looking at other coaches as well to compare and contrast and to say, is this really the one? And I remember the Lord saying, this is the person you're going to go with. Definitely believe that. And I'm so glad I took that leap of faith and I went with her because one of the things that happened is she showed me my asset, basically. I was there as very much into my career coaching at that particular point and bit of business coaching at that particular time. But actually she showed me my skills and she actually showed me the diversity inclusion side that I already had from my HR background and my legal background and the stuff I'd already done for in that space in the 20 years I'd done HR. It's like, you've literally got all this experience. Why not capitalize on that? Why not use it? Why not give it to the world and I was like that's exposing all my vulnerabilities and all the things I've ever been through you know all the microaggression the racism the disadvantages the poverty the things I've had to go through as a black woman I had to kind of expose myself in order to help and shape businesses and I knew that that was really going to make me it put me in a really vulnerable situation you know I said I'm going to go for it and I'm going to do it and I did and it has taken off and it's been the bit part of my business that is bigger than any other part of my business and it's because I probably joined at the very right time diversity inclusion being as big as it is but I really believe that people come to me because I, I am me yeah so I have not only the experience but the lived experiences the passion behind what I'm doing and I generally generally care not just about the end result the end use of you know people that look like me or look like you know the women or whatever it may be but I'm also I care about the businesses because those businesses believe it or not it's a lot of people like oh well they're just greedy no they have a responsibility for the communities that they serve if they win we win you know that's the difference you know having a a win-win philosophy in life if they win we win if they're in your communities and they're pouring into you it pours back into those communities times 100 so they benefit if they're profitable and they're doing the right thing it means that what they're doing is going to be instilled into those communities as well win win and that's what i'm about i really care about everyone and i have a real holistic view that's why i've got like my pulse 360 method which is literally looking at everything from the inside out not just looking at the end result but actually looking at everything that accomplishes diversity inclusion because you have to you know it's a win-win in ways and you the question you asked me just to get back to it is have i ever kind of gone against what my coach has said and i said yeah because I remember my coach particularly saying one of the things is building your audience in diversity inclusion. Build your audience, build your audience. That's the key, isn't it, to success. As the bigger your audience, the more likely you're going to be successful. And one of the things is that my audience was still quite tiny. Do I go and launch a product while it's still tiny or do I just keep build, trying to build this audience, which I'd already carried on? And one of her advice was just wait, keep building your audience, which is definitely the right thing to do. But something in me, which is my spiritual, my God, telling me launch now. And I just couldn't get why would I launch with like a what is a tiny audience? It doesn't make sense. Anyway, I launched and I knew it was going to be a tiny audience. It was going to be a tiny, you know, I wasn't going to get as many people as I'd want to get in, you know, in there. And I am so glad that I launched and I listened to that inner self, that God in me, because I launched. One of the things that happened was for the first thing is it was a tiny group of people, but those tiny people were actually really safe and they were really looked after. They gave me so much feedback on how to shape the course because it was it was only a small group. I could really deliver, but also receive 
and they could really underpin and help me to make it the very best version of what it was going to be not knowing that I was going to relaunch it again the following year and relaunch with a product which is ready for the market with pure feedback in the back of it and if I would have left it I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now you know I won't be able to launch my I mean there'll be people listening to this that have small audiences that may be launching a business and don't have a big audience what would you say to them well my coach would say build your audience (laughs) and I would say yes build your audience have that in the background but there's nothing wrong with testing the market and if you did a business degree and one of the things they in terms of launching what you've got to understand is if your market is still small you're going to get research done with that small market they're going to be and not only that you can with the attention which you won't be able to do when you're so big you have so much that you haven't got the time to take capitalize on that telling that you're going to get access to me you know that is a selling point in itself isn't it right you're going to get me and you probably won't scam because i am growing and the less capacity i have and it means that you know i've got coaches now that actually go out instead of me because my business is so that means that you may only see parts of me filtered into what i've you know what's being delivered but you may not actually get access to me directly so understanding that your business will grow you will not be just a one-man band forever that's what i'd say go for it it's a good idea. I mean, I know Lisa. I mean, I don't know her, like, you know her, but I follow her. And I know, she, you know, not to not care, but I suppose there's a danger, isn't it? If you spend so much time building your audience, A, you may never launch something, or B, you might launch something and it isn't actually what your audience wants and you've built the wrong product. You know, so there's nothing wrong, personally, I don't think, with launching. I had such a small, small, there was only a hundred people, you know, a couple of hundred people of that when I first launched. And, and you can make the stakes are so much less high when the your audience is small because you haven't got so many eyeballs on you either. You can sort of make mistakes that get a little bit harder as well as you get bigger. And yeah, and I think yeah, well, diversity that shows you that it's getting made. It's a big company that has a detriment on your reputation. People, you know, because people have livelihoods. You know, you make mistakes when you're small. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I know that obviously you are a fellow IVF mom like me. I know how grueling that process is. It's that not knowing, is it going to happen for me? Am I going to become a mom? How did your faith support you during that time? So what I was saying is my faith is is like my anchor. It's the biggest thing for me in everything I do, every aspect of my life, my dreams and my goals. And what I was saying to you is that we got married and we just thought it was just going to happen. And it just didn't. One year goes to two years. You know, it starts weeks and then years. And we had priests, pastors, you know, quite a lot of significant individuals praying for us and nothing actually worked. And what we decided to do is my husband's from Africa and traditionally they are very kind of quite strict with you know, a woman has to get pregnant or they're, they're barren, they're, they're good for nothing. You know, in certain cultures, they really don't treat women very well if they haven't produced an heir. <laughs> but my husband was having none of that. He was just like, it's going to happen. We're believing and we're standing and that's it. And his faith was really strong when it came to that. 
And it was hard because for me as a woman, we have our constant reminders, don't we? Which is when we have a period. Every month it hasn't worked. Every month is a failure as far as we're concerned. It's really hard to go, well, no matter how you look at it, this month wasn't successful. You know, this month it didn't work for us. And that's hard, as you know, it's so hard and it's heartbreaking. And even with as much faith as you have, you do cry out to God and say, why? Why me? Why am I going through this? And I remember getting the message from God to say, and it's an interesting one, because one of the messages were, were, and it's a quote from the Bible, that you will be a joyful mother of many children. So you laugh about that now. <laughs> I'm smiling, yeah. Yeah, I used to just de- declare that word and just say it over myself, I will be a joyful mother of many children I remember one time I got invited out um, to speak in church and I was a children's minister at the time I always look after all the little kids um on a Sunday every Sunday and I remember just talking about how amazing the kids are and I used to say they're all my children they're your kids you know they are your kids but on Sunday they're mine <laughs> I make sure that I treat the each one as if they are mine like I pray into their lives you know I want them to be successful in whatever they're doing I want them to grow healthy and in love and have happy lives everything I do and it's really instilling in that and I believe that not only I'm already I'm already a joyful mother of many children because they these are my children when I come in on a Sunday but I will be a joyful mother of many children of my own and I believe that I remember declaring that in church when I didn't even have any children. And I remember that was the word that I stuck onto. I'll be a joyful mother of many children. And I just remember one year I heard the message that all my friends, everyone I know will be pregnant before I will be. Every single person I know. And when I heard that message come through, you would think that it'd be like, oh no, every person I know and be dead like following in the spirit. No, I got excited. I was like, I don't know that many people. <laughs> I was just like, I got excited because I was like, right. So my mission is to make sure everyone gets pregnant. That's it. So all my friends is like, when you're getting pregnant, is it not time yet? Like you need to hurry this thing up because as soon as you get pregnant, the closer it is for me to get pregnant. And it was really weird because all my friends did actually have children, all of them. And then yeah, I didn't put my life on hold either because I knew that it was going to be a journey for us. We traveled the world. I studied, I did my degree, I did my master's. I lived in France. I lived in London. I We brought our dream home. We brought our dream cars. We didn't put our life on hold. We did everything. You know, like I said, I had to you know, pivot all of my career. There was nothing I put my life on hold at all. I didn't think about holidays. We traveled. Like a lot of people go, I'm not going to go on holiday. I'm not going to book a holiday just in case. No, I didn't do any of that. I just lived and I thought I can always move the holiday or change it. And there was one year where I, I looked around and I said, I've done everything. Like, I, I don't know how many people get the opportunity. I'm actually feeling really emotional saying this, where they stop and say, I've done it all. Like everything I've ever dreamed of or ever wanted, I have actually ticked everything off my list. There was just one thing I hadn't achieved. And I said, there's only one thing now that I haven't been able to do, and that's have children. And But I've done everything. And I remember having this peace over me going, like, it's time. And I just kept thinking, I know I'm going to get pregnant now. And I went and bought a beautiful, my dream car, um, which was a Q5, Audi Q5. And I remember buying that car. Um, and I was quite young, really. And then I think about yeah. the achievement. I don't know cars very well, but I'm assuming it's a nice car. <laughs> really nice car. It's a 4 by 4 Audi. It's a big car. It's like a big, it's a really big car. It's a showstopper. Is it a family car? It is a family car. 
And it's definitely a showstopper. I remember driving the car. I, f- I felt a bit embarrassed driving the car initially because I'm not really. I know it's, it's my, it was always my dream car, but I I didn't actually. I dreamt of having it, but not actually driving it, which is a really weird thing to say. But I got really embarrassed to driving it because it does turn heads. <laughs> so when I actually was in it, I was feeling really embarrassed and that self conscious that people are looking at me. But I remember people stopping me and going, "Why have you got such a big car?" And these are Christian friends that I know. And I was like, because this time next year, I'm going to have, I, these are going to start getting filled with my children. And one of them goes, your faith is so big. Like I've never had anyone that's just so faith driven. I said, yeah, this is my time now. This time next year, my f- first child will be born. And really interesting. I then got a letter in Trafford to say that they've opened up spots for IVF because we, the reason why we hadn't tried it before was because of where we lived. There was no funding in this area. And I said that was funding. And I remember saying, right, we're going to go for it. And I've trusted God. I felt God saying it was because it's another like a story where people don't believe that God can tell you to go for IVF. It's another complete story. And I believe it's completely untrue because in the Bible, it says if God builds the house, you labor in vain. That means if he doesn't bless it, you won't have it. And if you trust in God for it, you have it. Anyway, so I remember going, this is what God's telling me. I really believe that he had said I can go for IVF. We went for IVF. And um, it was first time. Yeah. And they even said that they got eight eggs. And out of the eight eggs, they were all grade A plus grade, really good eggs. I think altogether got 22 eggs, but not all of them were able to get to the blastocyst where they could freeze them. And Eliana came along and I was able to put her into my dream car, in our dream home, in our dream location. You know, it's a hard bar. Yeah, it was in my dream career. I um got promoted when I went back to work bit of a long story short is yeah got promoted when I went back to work I we traveled around the world with her you know we went to Thailand Malaysia Singapore Dubai China yeah America Africa we traveled with her like like we just we did so much and that faith that knowing that God will answer your prayer bear in mind that this is time you know, 10 years. So even though it sounds like... Did you know like, why, you were, what, why you were infertile, you and your husband? Did you ever had a diagnosis? They never actually gave me... They just said unexplained infertility at the time, and that was it. However, I went for a check, and they said that my... Uh, so basically, one of the things that happens to me is I ovulate on day 24, not really late, the other one. I had a period, I have a period every 24 days or 25 days. And I went to a specialist and they said that your body doesn't give yourself enough time to do. Yeah, basically your body's shedding before it even has time to implant. And she's just saying this is all theory. And what she said is that she's going to recommend that I take progesterone because she believes that is the reason why I'm not getting pregnant. So when I, for, and also high dose folic acid. So I was taking this just before the, it all happened at the same time. I was doing the progesterone, and then when I got pregnant, 
pregnant, I, you have to take the progesterone. Funnily enough, I bled with when I was pregnant. So I did actually with both of mine. Yeah, I bled, and it was the progesterone that stopped the bleeding at the very beginning of the pregnancy. And if, if funnily enough, all my pregnancies are bled all the way pretty much unless I take progesterone. And even though progesterone has recently been disproven to support, I can after 10 years of trying and actually using it and having a successful pregnancy, successful pregnancies, because I've used it with all my pregnancies, I would say that I think that you need to do more research on it to see that, to prove it back again, because to me, it has to work for me. Yeah. You had your daughter, then you've had lots of children since. Were they all IVF? No. So my son, we were going to go back for IVF. We were ready the year after. Mm-hmm. 80 months afterwards and we could go back because you're you with the round of fertility you can use your eggs until they're gone which is great obviously i don't want to use eight eggs <laughs> oh, who knows me now yeah i was gonna say you're not too far off are you? <laughs> so we were we wanted to go back but i was working on a major major project and it, it just happened to be in london so I was traveling back and forth to Manchester and London to get this project done. And I was just like, I can't do the IVF because I'm not around when I need to be here to do it. It's quite a stressful time. So my husband was in, just happened to be in London at that particular period of time when she, when we were conceived. And even I just remember saying it's going to, I'll go the next month. And again, I got the message that this is the month you're going to conceive. And I was like, well, if I'm supposed to do IVF and I can't physically do it, then I just need you make it happen naturally if this is meant to be the month it's supposed to happen so i remember having this conversation with god yeah and did. he was like this is the month you're supposed to get pregnant and that was the month i got pregnant without IVF. <laughs> that was amazing i was and i bled in the sense that i still had a period because i and i had to take progesterone i didn't know i was pregnant at all and t- i had heartburn and any other symptoms and it was only the heartburn that made me think should i just check and i did and it was positive okay and then I got pregnant with twins, which I just told you the story of, which was that I was in, knew it was time for me to leave. I'd done everything I needed to do in life. Yeah. <laughs> and then there we go, starting a whole new, <laughs> new whole new career in, in, in effect, really, isn't it? Setting up your own business. So that is basically it. And then all the others have all been completely natural, including twins. And I do feel completely blessed. I feel more blessed that... I don't live my life with any regrets. I don't live with, oh, I didn't get time to study. You know, I listen to a lot of women when they do have kids and the things that they say when they're having kids. And then probably you won't have experienced this because you waited and was, you know, with your IVF as well. But a lot of, I hear a lot of, I didn't get a chance to study or I didn't get a chance to buy a house before I had kids or I didn't get a chance to get married in some cases or I didn't get a chance to do... There's a lot of regret, a lot of regret. I didn't get a chance to travel. I really wanted to travel more before my kids came. I really wanted to do, like, there's this list of things that people seem to want to do or achieve before they have children. I wonder if you feel like if this resonates with you being an IVF mom as well. Because I get a lot, I'm speaking a lot, women like you do, and a lot of, it's the regret that all my life's sort of over now, I'm living through my kids. Whereas I felt before, I think you dealt with it a lot better probably because of your faith, but I felt my life felt like it was over before I had kids. I felt so out of, I suppose, you know, what all my friends, I could see all my friends were doing. They were having children. They had that commonality and I felt really out of it. And since having children, I felt like I got my life back. I don't know if that's something that resonates with you. No, I don't think it does only because, and I think there's two reasons. One, because I really feel 
that what we do as women is we put ourselves as motherhood as defining who we are and motherhood is just an element of who we are it's not who we are and this is probably with my coaching head on now probably in that we have to know who we are like samantha is who and it's one element is that i'm a mother it isn't everything about me it doesn't entail everything you know my passions and my desires and my wants and my needs that's not who i am and i think that's one of the reasons but the other reason is that i actually brought up one of the things i didn't say is i do have seven children not six and one of the things is that i actually brought up my nephew from when he was two years old and became his carer he's 21 now I did that alongside my mom. So I had, I was his legal carer, you know, through courts and everything. And it meant that I did not miss out on stuff. So when there was parties, my friends were having kids parties, one year old parties, two year old parties and all those different things. I had a child. <laughs> Does that make sense? I always had a child to take. I always was at these events with a child, which was my nephew, Kelvin. And so I never felt, I could understand if I felt I was missing out. I never felt like I was actually missing out on that. I felt quite privileged because I could do that and still be free to go and party because I was in my 20s and enjoy life because I was still young and still be a part of this kind of motherhood world in a sense without being an actual mother so I feel like because there was an element of having to bring a child up that was the kind of difference that I had and that other mothers probably didn't I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm missing out a little bit um because my friends are older and their kids are older so my even though my who's older he He's like, he's now had his own child <laughs> and he's moved out now into his own place and their kids are moving out and they're like, oh, we're going to go on holidays now. We're going to go, to, you know, yeah, they've got their freedom back, like, and the freedom. So I think the only thing I feel like it's different now is I did a lot. So I've experienced a lot in terms of going on holiday with just me and my husband. And I know it's amazing. <laughs> I've gone on holidays with my kids and I know it's amazing, but it's different. And it's very, very, very different. I mean, it, when you go on holiday with your kids, it's about your kids. It really is. You, unless you've got a babysitters that can help you. Yeah, unless you have a nanny, nanny that you can afford to take. Yeah. Yeah. I have taken my mum on holidays with us before for that reason. But you don't get that time if you don't have the extra babysitters. So you miss out. So that bit is missing, is that time with my spouse. That's missing, my husband. Uh, but you're in a season, aren't you? So I think, and it won't last forever, will it? No, it doesn't. I look at my children, I think they're going to grow up so quick. So the question you asked about regret, I think I don't personally have any regret. Like, there's nothing that I haven't done, in all honesty. There isn't, isn't, really isn't. Everything I've ever wanted to do, I've done it. I feel like I am now living for passion and purpose. And it's a very different place to be. You know, it's a really different place to be. And yes, I'd love to have more date nights. Yes, I'd love to have more time with friends and going out and sitting in the beer garden or the wine bar and just relaxing, going to more spas. Yeah, I love all that. But those days will come back soon enough before I even blink an eye. And the times I have my holding my little girl's hands to school will be gone before, within a blink of an eye. And I really just want to embrace that time. And it's hard when it's when it's hard. <laughs> isn't it it's hard and especially when you've got a business yeah and there's a lot of push and pull isn't there yeah there's a lot 
and it, there is a lot and there's I, there's no way even me sitting here as a coach will tell you that you have constantly having to juggle and to change and to adapt the ways that you think and the way that you're doing stuff to make it work because sometimes it just doesn't like oh, six week holiday for example what do you do what are you supposed to do in the six weeks holidays yeah I think any any working parent well any you know any working parent will re- relate to that whether you have a business or not finally I just want because I've just gone through this with my frozen embryos well we've donated them to science i know that you obviously had a lot left over as well what have you decided to do with your frozen embryos oh that's amazing so well done for taking that step to donate them oh, oh do you know what been... i'll be honest i sat on it for months wow it was um and you only wanted to add yeah hats off to you <laughs> with six but you know after two and then i think it's said launched the business it was covid i launched the business you know and then they start growing up and it starts does get a bit easier you know as they start potty training and they're not in the push chairs anymore and i thought i don't think i want to go back to that baby stage but then it's like well, what do i do especially because my eldest she'd come from a frozen embryo I knew, you know, it's always like, oh, what if they'd not picked her out the freezer? So I don't know where you are at with your frozen embryos. And oh man, it's a really such a difficult decision. I just, you do think of them as children, your children, I think. I feel like my children. Like remember this, the the thing I said, I'm always a joyful mother of many children. So for me, one of the things that I felt is that. I don't want to make that decision yet. I felt like I wanted my children to grow up and for me to be so old that I'm like, I'm not having any more kids. <laughs> like I'm too old. So one of the things I think I'm going to do is continue to pay. You have to pay for the freezer story. It's quite expensive. That was, that was a big thing, basically. Like, oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not cheap. Well, to honest, yeah. it's, we were semi-private anyway. So there's it just seems to be a lot cheaper than... NHS is like a thousand pound a year or something. Yeah, that's how much it was. Like that. I just yeah, ours is semi-private, so I, I don't know why, but it doesn't cost that much for us. It's like eight, a hundred and two hundred pound a year. Okay, so you can just buy. It's not a hard decision to say we're going to keep them in the freezer for now, and unless those that that price goes significantly higher. But one of the things that we have decided is we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the future holds with our own children. And I always felt like because it took so long for me and all these conspiracy theories saying that they're putting all sorts of stuff in our water, <laughs> not that I listen to any of that. I want there always to be an option for my own children. And if I was going to do anything, I'd probably donate them to another mother who, like myself, couldn't have children. So the only way that I would do that is my own children had to have grown up. I couldn't be able, I was too old to have my own and my kids didn't need them themselves. So if my kids couldn't or didn't, something went wrong or something, God forbid that ever happened, I would give them the choice first. And then I, because that's their brothers and sisters, make them part of that decision. And then I would then don't give them to other women to have or I parted from this world. You have that experience I never had. Oh, I had, but you know, if they're never going to get that over another opportunity and this is their only way, I'd love to be able to do that and just, yeah. But either way, even just research, because that's important as well. We all have to, I think it's, yeah, it's a decision, you know, it's hard either way, isn't it? It's so difficult. The tough one. And when you start, you don't think you're going to get to this point, do you? And so you don't really give it much thought, do you? And some people never do. So, I'm very, very grateful, but I do know that I will have to make 
but I won't make it now. I don't think I'll make it in the next 20 years. Thank you so much, Samantha. I've loved our conversation, as always. Where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about your diversity and inclusion business? So, well, I'm founding your group as your associate coach. <laughs> doing my career coaching diversity inclusion coaching and i am also found on linkedin our favorite platform is netlayers so you can find under samantha libanzu career and business coach and i do a lot about diversity inclusion there facebook i have a group called diversity inclusion unlocked so if you put diversity inclusion unlocked i'm in that space you can come and join me I- is it for individuals or for businesses there's some anyone can join so i have individuals hr professionals leaders anyone can absolutely join if they want to learn about diversity inclusion and i will be like i go live every week apart from school holidays i can't do it just can't can't. i'm like you i'm like just not school holidays (laughs) yeah and i share lots of nuggets that i don't share publicly i usually just share in that private safe space Mm -hmm. and i'm on instagram doing reels sometimes you'll see more of my kids on there And I've just recently launched my Diversity and Inclusion Evolve course again. So you can, it's online. It's an online course. Also, you can join in person, which is on the 11th and 12th of October in Birmingham or the 17th and 18th of October in Manchester. So join my course. I'll definitely share all the links to all of these things with you. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me along. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Work It Like a Mum podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share the link with a friend. If you're on LinkedIn, please send me a connection request at Elizabeth Willett and let me know your thoughts on this week's episode. You can also follow my recruitment site, Investing in Women, on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, keep on chasing your biggest dreams.